0: So, has anybody injured their hand since last week? <laughs> All goods.
1: <laughs> Wait, I wonder. Did I? Oh, you know how I injured my hand the other day? It's just so funny because I put up a, a, my recent video. I, it shows me l- lathing with a razor blade. I'm lathing brass holding a razor blade in my hand. And Eric from Hansel Rescue sends me a screen grab and goes, you always wonder how do you always hurt yourself? <laughs> and I, like, and it's a screen grab of me like lathing with a razor blade in my hand. Mm. literally like Mm. 10 seconds before i got that text from him at like one in the morning the other night i went to wipe off like oil on the gantry on the laser while it was cutting these signs i'm working on and i stuck my finger right through the laser beam and i burned i like burned a hole right in the tip of my finger And i said i go this just happened (laughs) wow it didn't it just it was like i thought it was worse because it looked bad but it was as if you like just like touched a match that just burned blew out 'Cause it was just mm-hmm. an i didn't hold it there. I just like passed my finger through the beam and I'm like, oh wow, I just burned my skin. But uh it, it made look like like when you're a kid and you like stick your finger on a hot match head and you get like like white skin. Didn't didn't penetrate. But it was just funny timing. He's like, and you always wonder how you get hurt all the time. And here oh. I am, like lathing with a razor blade against brass seconds after, blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. Okay, you got it. Las- <laughs> lasering your fingers. <laughs>
2: You that, kids. You didn't know it was going to go there when you asked that.
0: <laughs> I did not. I should have. I should have expected that. It kind of makes sense.
1: The funny thing was is the funny thing is is if you guys you guys both have lasers and when a laser beam comes out of the laser, it hits a prism, hits another prism, hits another prism, and goes against the the cut. That's the cut. And so the laser is flying through the air inside the contained box. And if you bypass the switch so that the machine still works when the lid's open, like we do, like I do, you got to be careful, careful. When, when you reach in, you're going <laughs> to pass your hand through the laser beam. What did you say, Dave?
2: <laughs> don't say we. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we don't do that, for sure.
1: Anyway, so I passed my hand through the beam. A couple like couple months back, I was like wiping off while I was, the laser was cutting, and I, I burned a whole hole through the sleeve of my jacket. I didn't realize it was burned right through the sleeve of my hoodie.
0: So, just an idea. Maybe don't bypass that switch and keep the cover closed on your laser. And then you won't burn yourself and your clothes.
1: I can't... You know, I have, like, OCD. I can't help but, like, fiddle with it while it's working. I'm going to, like, fiddle with it and, like, wipe dust off it while it's working and just to focus while it's burning. And I just... I can't... I can't sit still. <laughs>
0: <laughs> like you don't have a thousand other things you could go mess with in your shop.
1: I did. I'm doing these long sign cuts that take in five hours each. And I hung my canoe from the rafters the other day. So while it was cutting, I put the canoe on top of the high low lift and brought it up to the ceiling and roped it up there. So I'm, I am really trying to figure out what I could do in between like setups. Because once I set mm. it up and I let it burn and I'm like, OK, that looks like it's going to be fine. And I'll do like after 20 minutes, I'll leave the room set a timer and come back five hours later. Occasionally, I check the ring camera to make sure the building's not on fire.
0: (laughs) It's probably a good thing. Cool. Well, what's been going on? Dave? You go, I
2: I, talk too much already. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just curious to know where that question was going to go if Jimmy didn't hurt himself.
0: Well, I was kind of assuming... (laughs) I hadn't heard anything, so I assumed we didn't have one, and I was going to say... Yeah, we spent so much time talking about finger injuries at the beginning of last show. Uh, we won't have any this time, but, but you know, here we are. Thanks, thanks, Jimmy. Yeah, uh, just kidding.
2: I just, I just put out the uh, version number two of the chair. As far as I can remember, that's the first time me doing a second version of a of a project and hmm. improving on it. And I'm I'm really happy with it. It lives in our bedroom as a place to sit down and put socks on although we don't sit down to put socks on yet i <laughs> one of these days we're getting socks yeah. <laughs> um but uh it's yeah i'm really i'm really really happy with the with the way it came out and it, it it just it looks really good and i did a little fun little thing in the middle of the video where i made a music video in the middle of the video um i've been Wanting to do that for a while or like... T- and I'm also going to make this beat here for this part of the video. And it came out fun, and I've gotten some good feedback out of that. So gives me... A, um, so now when the IRS calls and says, why did you buy all this music stuff with the company business card? I can say,
0: look, here we are. <laughs> this one two-second clip. Yeah. Right yeah. here. <laughs>
2: <clears throat> yeah. So, and then um, I went... Uh, I went shopping for the first time since maybe March yesterday. I went to the Antique Mall. Um, It's one of my favorite places, and I haven't been there since the whole pandemic. But I'm doing this speaker build, and I wanted to find something old to build this Bluetooth speaker into. And so I went to the Antique Mall, and I was like, oh, man, I miss this place. There's so many ideas and so many fun things to look at. And then I had to go buy pants as well, and I went to the mall, the the mall mall, which is. I bought icky, three pair of icky. pants last night on on Amazon. Uh, see, I've been doing that, and I I gotta I gotta I gotta put them on because I've been getting the wrong Well, I like I'll buy I only I only wear Levi's, and then I get these Levi's in from Amazon, and they're like they look like jeans, but they're like they're this stretchy flexy material and they just feel weird on me and i jiggings that's the word that's doing not works. what they jiggings. are but... <laughs> and i was like i just need to go in person and buy i had to go to jc penny that sounds like like it's 1984 but jc penny is still around and i went and bought jeans <laughs> yeah so um yeah that's that's what i've been doing i don't know why i talked about pants but pants pants are important pants
1: it's sometimes. I've been still just working on the trailers. The, they're going to be out of here this week. And a funny thing was I set up to cut the sign the other day. I also made a gavel, uh, a gavel for my buddy. A lot of people are like, it's so funny because I, I'm working with Starrett and I'm like, oh, this would be a good opportunity to mention the Starrett promotion. It wasn't I didn't get paid. I'm just doing a promo with them. And they're going to give me a kickback if stuff sells, whatever. But I'm really in it for the free tools because they make amazing tools and they like what I'm doing. And so I'm like, Oh, this would be a good opportunity. Everyone's like, Oh, so you need to make a commercial. So let me think, let me, let me make up the fact that I have a friend that's a judge and make up a phony scenario. And so I got a couple of messages of people like, yeah, you really know a federal judge. My, one of my closest friends, he has been appointed a federal judge in, in the immigration department. And so as a gift, I told him I would make him one of these. It's a true story. And it was one of those moments where it's like, I'm still don't have time to make a video this week. What can I do? That will take me like half a day. And I was like, Oh, let me make the gavel. And so that's why I made the gavel. I'm like, Oh wait, I'm still working with star. That's a good opportunity to put the star drop in there. So anyway, it all really does happen naturally. And the ones that don't happen naturally, are pretty explicitly paid for commercials. And I think people can tell that, but when people think they're being tricked, that's when they get mad. They're like, yeah, this seems organic, but there's something fishy about this.
0: Well, I think what people don't understand about that is that our brains are constantly trying to make the connections between all the things that we need to take care of. So we're like, you know, like I need to make some sort of a video and then this other pool in my head has a bunch of small ideas and then this other pool has all the sponsors and we're constantly trying to get those things in line. And then when there's a, something that lines up, you are like, yes, that's the thing that's going to happen on this day. You know, it may seem unnatural to them, but we've been spinning those ideas for around for a long time and they happen to line up.
1: One of the trolls says he goes, Yeah, Deresta hasn't made something for fun in like five years. I'm like, that's ridiculous. <laughs> I have fun every, I said I have fun every day and I have fun making money every day and I have fun. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I have fun making money every day.
1: <laughs> you know it's funny too? You guys can go look at the comment and you could go you could go harass him until he deletes it. His name is like his his last name sounded like the word pouty. That's all I'm going to say. I don't want to say his name because I can't honestly remember it anyway. So I said, hey, name, last name, Powdy. I actually spelled out the word Powdy instead. <laughs> his <laughs> last name looked like Powdy, but it wasn't. So I just said, hey, XYZ Powdy. This is the truth. I actually do this for fun and so on and so on. Anyway, it was a funny little subtle,
2: subtle, you know, New York passive aggressiveness. It's also f- fun to play with the trolls. Yeah. So you're continuing your fun. Oh, so I set up
0: this
1: cut, this laser cut, and I hit, I just, I had all, I have to cut 16 signs for bullet bourbon for the trailers. Each one gets two signs inside of it. And so I painted the plywood. I, I did a test. I painted plywood and I lasered through it and it looks like it's kind of hot stamped, but it's 20 by 20 inches and it looks really cool. And so I did one this big, which took like three minutes to do. And I was like, all right, great. Now I can go to the 20 inch one. So when I said this big, I held my fingers at five by five inches and so I set it up to cut and I hit start and I, it's like, I'm like, oh, let me go get a coffee and I'll come back and do the next one. i mean, gonna me just see how much time I got. and I looked at the, the 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 monitor. It says five hours and twenty minutes. I was like, what? And so I texted the guys over at Full Spectrum. I'm like, is this really gonna take five hours and twenty minutes? He's like, yeah, that's when you do a raster that big, it takes a long time. And he says, if you got the time, let it cook. If you don't have the time, he said, just figure out a, a workaround where you could maybe mask the whole thing with like uh you know whatever kind of masking paper i would probably like spray glue paper on it do a light cut peel out spray paint you know do something like that but i wanted the the hot stamp look that big so the trailers are getting picked up probably friday so i only have two more runs to do i started one this morning so it's going to be whatever time it is it's like nine now so in five hours from now i'll set up the next one to be the last one so i've been doing it for three days and I set it up in an interesting way. Obviously, you could do this with a laser. I have both colors because it's a, it's the, the orange sign and the green sign. I set the file up so as it's going on the, the x-axis, it's doing both signs. So as long as I lay them in the same spot each time, it'll burn two signs per file pass. So that's mm-hmm. what I've been doing. I've been figuring that out. <clears throat> and then going into the weekend, I think I'm going to make a barbecue apron for my my uh, Weaver leather video. So, if you're listening to this on Friday, I'm frantically trying to finish a video. So, hmm, that's what I think I'm doing.
0: That's cool, David. You didn't say. Do you have any big plans this week? Any, are you working on anything cool? Cool ideas that you want to share?
2: Um, no. Well, I guess um, I I mentioned I went to the antique Model to go find something old to build a Bluetooth speaker in, and I. the the one speaker that i'm going to do is just a single speaker something to listen to like an audiobook or a podcast on and i found one of those old uh drive-in movie speakers it's got like a metal grill and it looks cool so i'm going to tear apart that put the speaker in there and then build that into some sort of case i don't know um
1: Get a car, I, get a car door, and like hang inside the car door inside the house. <laughs> <laughs> there you
2: go. So this this tiny little two inch speaker is going to be in this big three foot car door. Yeah. So you just so, put stuff together. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the uh, I, and I don't know where it's going to go. I'm just going to go out into the shop one day, and I'm just going to start drawing up the case for it, and, and whatever happens, happens, and if it fails, it fails. Um, if I did nothing, if I just put the speaker into this, this metal grill, it would look cool, but that would be a two minute video. So we'll see. We'll see what happens.
0: Cool. Bob, what have you been up to? Yeah. What about Bob? Well, thank you for asking. Um, uh, let's see this week. Uh, we made, or the video that's coming out this week is storage for a bed which is not interesting in and of itself but when i made the the canopy bed recently for my daughter it's a queen size bed the original design had storage underneath it because she needs to have storage in her room and when i designed it i made it so that the storage thing uh, like cabinets underneath it were kind of separate from the structure i wanted it to work with or without that storage and then when we were building it um we started to run out of time And we got into a conversation about like, well, the storage doesn't have to be there. It needs to be there for my family, but it doesn't have to be there for this video. So why don't we pull it out and then do a separate video because it can be added to any bed, really, pretty much any bed. So we left it out of that one. And then this video is just about building custom storage that fits within the frame underneath any bed. And so rather than talking about the specifics of of this bed, even though it's the example, we talked about how to fit it, like all the things to take into consideration if you're trying to build in storage into your existing bed, whatever that is. So I don't know if I talked about this before, but we had a conversation, well, yeah, I I know I did, Uh, a few weeks ago, internally, me and the guys about, like, how do we take the, the video's and make sure that the important thing about the video is the part that's coming across and not just the project. Like in this case, it's just it's basic cabinetry, it's drawers, it's not a big deal, but the point of the whole thing is that just by taking into consideration how your bed is put together, you can easily add storage, and you can make it custom, and you can make it fit, and you can make it exactly like you want, and, you know, that type of thing. And that's the point, not... My storage for my bed, and so we're beginning to try to modify our storytelling and our presentation a little bit to make sure, and and ahead of time before we start a video, we're talking about like what's the point of this one? Is it is it like a technical knowledge transfer? Is it uh, inspiration? Is it some of both? And so we're making sure we kind of have that to be explicit to about it. It's,
1: it's important, yeah,
0: so that we know we make sure we hit the points because I think sometimes I'm thinking one thing. But the person watching a video is expecting something different. And if I'm not clear about that, then they don't they don't know what my expectation was.
2: I'm wondering. So we don't have a topic today. We're just going to wing it. And then you just put out a question yeah. on Twitter asking, you know, what do you guys want to talk about? And Bryce on Twitter asked about storytelling. Uh, he just listened to episode one. And what are your favorite storytelling t- techniques? So I'm wondering, and we can cut this out if you don't want to go there, but what if we if today's topic was storytelling and how we try yeah. to get a point across and maybe how it's changed and how it might change in the future.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah.
2: So thanks Bryce.
0: And I, I think, I think, um, you know, for me, for us right now, that is a big thing where we're trying to predefine before we start shooting. What's the point? Because it, you can generally in our case, you can generally say like the point is the project. But that that's usually not the case because usually people aren't going to make an R two D two or they're not going to make a you know transformer boombox or they're not going to make whatever. Um, but then sometimes we make things that are super practical and they will want to make that workbench or that desk or that whatever. But we need to go into it with the with the point in mind so that the presentation can match the point to get across the parts that we really need to get across to the person so that they're picking up on the right you know information there. So that's a it's going to be a subtle change. It's going to be something that most people probably won't even notice. But my hope is that we will see the effect of that in the comments, in the ways that people, you know, kind of grab on to certain parts of what's in the video. Um, that's my hope, anyway. And yeah. we, we have this thing, I have this thing, where I always want the videos to be incrementally better. Every single video should have something something that's at least a little bit better than the one before it. Sometimes it's visual, sometimes it's storytelling, sometimes it's audio, sometimes it's editing, whatever. And this, this conversation with us was a good way for us to take a step back and look at, here's a whole new set of things that we can actually improve incrementally. And it's just the storytelling. It's just the kind of pre, I guess it's pre-production, you know, thinking ahead a little bit before we actually start doing the thing, thinking about the impact of, not just the project itself. so kind of excited about to see how we can end up working that in just getting and yourself into the up. right
2: mindset might affect how you say or what you say throughout the video Give it some more yeah. impact
0: yeah yeah, knowing exactly what I'm trying to get across to other people um, So that's a big thing and that was part of a bigger conversation where we've talked about you know trying to have some more I mean I've talked about this the last couple of weeks but making sure that we are flexible, In our production, so that we don't accidentally fall into the same patterns that we always do, and just letting things be what they need to be for that given day. So that's what we're working on. We finished up that storage, and it was quick and easy, and it looks great, and it totally matches the bed. And um, so that was pretty awesome. Yeah. So that's like that's what we have coming up is the the bed storage video. But let's just go ahead and talk about the storytelling thing. I mean, what are some I don't know. Whoever wants to take it, what what are some things that you maybe do differently than you did now, trying to get your story across? Or
1: well, it's funny because uh, when when COVID started, I remember like the first couple of videos, maybe the first very first video that like that was like, okay, we're all in this, submerged in this thing. <clears throat> I decided to do a video where I talk, which is something I only kind of reserve typically for Patreon. But I started talking more, especially when a video is a little bit complicated, and For instance, I just, I did a video, I forget that first video that I was just talking about, but the idea was, hey, let's just not ignore what, like, this global crisis, and let me talk a little bit, just to make the video seem a little bit less cold. And so that was another reason why, that was the main reason why I talked, but it was something I had to explain, I can't remember what it was, but recently I did a video where I made the push sticks, and that video, the point of that video was product development. It wasn't like, hey, let me make push sticks that rip your fingers off, which is what everybody in the comments seems to think. So I made the push sticks that have the finger holes and everyone's like, oh, I would never use that. I'm not going to your shop. Your shop is the most dangerous place on earth. So
0: They're not wrong.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Just kidding. (laughs) I didn't see an alternative to not explaining it, even though, again, that would be typically reserved for Patreon. But because I was really talking about product development and iteration, I spoke. So I'm doing that more often where I'm like, if I do a video and I think, this really needs an explanation, so let me just do the explanation and not always stick to my guns and make a fast-forwardy video. That's just people just going, to come. "I'm not really sure what's happening here." There, there, I do find myself at moments being able, to, not being able, to tell the story in complete silence, and that's when I kind of resort to that. But also, when it's important, when it's obviously important to, to talk, so I'm resorting to that more often now, and it's cool. I enjoy it. It's like a sense of relief, like knowing, okay, I'm going to put a video out and it's not going to be misunderstood. But a thing that I guess my fans are conditioned to is every time I slow down to explicitly show a technique or to say, this is the brand of this thing that I'm using, whatever it is, you know, a lot of times it's not necessarily product placement, but it's the right product for the job. And then right away in the comments, everything, what did you use at five minutes in? What what was that product you use? I'm like, oh, you mean the thing I held in front of the camera? For thirty solid seconds, so you could read the label. That thing, <laughs> that's the thing. And so, as far as storytelling goes, would speed it up and slow down. And it's funny. Sometimes I go back and I watch my old videos. I'm like, "What was I thinking? This is so fast." It's like I really like I. I could tell my own impatience in the edit. I'm like watching it, be like, "What?" Mm. So I, you I, just got to be more liberal as time goes on. Like liberal with your. You know, like, I'm the speed it up guy. And the funny thing is, every once in a while, I'll do a talkie video, and then I get in the comments, oh, my God, I can't believe you have a voice. I didn't know you speak. <laughs> like, hey, look at the 90 <laughs> vlog videos I did where I'm st- staring through the camera and talking.
2: Like, yeah, for me, it's it's everything is about pacing in the video. I probably watched my video... 15 times before it gets put out while editing cuz I want to make sure the pacing is always moving there's always something happening and nothing feels repetitive and that's that means everything to me and then when I think the video is all done I can't be disturbed nobody can be in my office I just need full screen video up there the speakers and not a disruption if anything disrupts me during that 12 minutes so that i'm watching the video i have to start completely over because i i want to make sure i totally yeah do. yeah <laughs> and because uh, that that flow means everything to me and it's it's just something i've been i've been working on and it's i think in a youtube world any video industry it's important but there's so many other videos people could click off of and, and leave and go watch another video. Your YouTube is enticing you with videos constantly. So I'm trying to, trying to keep people there, trying to keep making the video interesting. And what Bob was saying earlier is trying to get a, the point across, uh, early on. That's something. I don't know if uh, if the point of my videos gets, gets across and maybe I need to figure out a way to, to say that as well, because I think the point of my videos is for somebody to have an aha moment, whether that aha moment is that's how you do that, or th- it triggers their own creative thought. Like, Ooh, I could take that technique and, and make my own thing or just, uh, or, or just the aha moment of like, aha, that's what I want to make this weekend. I'm just looking for somebody to have that aha moment. And that's the most important thing to me. And maybe, um, maybe I need to figure out for myself on how to get that, get that across at the beginning of the, of the video.
0: I think that was something that early on I didn't do at all. I just assumed that it would happen. I think, you know like in the first i don't know maybe year or two years worth of videos it was just i would just jump right into it there was an intro so where i would show the thing or say what it was going to be and then i would just jump right into it and there's no setup there there's no preparation for the audience to know why you're doing something or what your plan is or any of that stuff and so i eventually got to a point to where i realized i needed a setup so we have elements to the video that we always have to shoot. You know, there's an intro, there's the bumper, which is the and you know the actual animated intro stuff. There's the setup, which sets up the story, there's the work, and there's the wrap up which gives me after context and you know changes I would make and stuff like that. So those are things that format and the pieces of that format are all from realizing that like oh, well there's just something missing here. Like I'm not giving anybody the reasoning. So, like, how can I expect them to know what's going to happen or to be invested to see how it turns out or any of that stuff? And originally, I, for years, I did voiceover, um, almost exclusively voiceover, because it was just easier to shoot the whole thing and then go back and talk about, you know, the parts that I thought were important. But what I found I was doing was voicing over every action, whether it needed it or not, just because if there was no voiceover then there was nothing and it felt like an like an unintentional empty space you know it was just like (laughs) now you jump in talking you're a talking head you jump in more often right
1: i remember i kind of remember when you did that transition i remember you talked about it on the show on the podcast
0: Yeah, the change was that I realized I was saying stuff like, uh, and then I cut a piece of wood. Well, yeah, they can see that because they're watching you cut a piece of wood. You don't have to say that, right? And you still see a lot of people who are brand new to making videos. They still do that. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with it, but I realized that I was just talking to fill space. I wasn't actually adding anything useful. And so we kind of shifted both from like to make the production faster And so that I only spoke to the things that really needed speaking to, it's all to camera now. So if I think something is important enough for me to look at you in your eyes and tell you a thing, then I should actually stop what I'm doing, look at you in your eyes, and tell you what I'm thinking, you know, or why it matters or why you need to know this in the context of the project. And I think that's worked out a lot better. I don't know that a lot of people even noticed that transition because we did kind of try to transition it, you know. but that definitely makes the um, the overall thing take less time because i don't have to stop at the you know at some point at the end sit down voice over hope that i get it right say it a bunch of times you know i don't have to fit in certain things into what the edit is anymore um, i can just stop at any point in the production of the thing and just say something i think is important to it and if there's nothing important then i just you know, then we have more room to be creative with the shots or the edit or the pace or things like that. Um, so that was a big shift and that's been several years since I started doing that, but that was a big shift for us is to, to make intentional points where I had the opportunity to get things across like the setup, David, like you're talking about, you know, like right there at the beginning, here's the explanation. Now I'm not going to explain every single thing going forward just the parts that stand out as needing a little extra. One of the detail, one of the problems with that is I mean
2: th- so many people come to your videos and they're only watching the first 5-6 seconds and then they're and then they're out. So you really you have to sell that video within that first 5 seconds and then also explain what you're trying to get across. So there's th- there's a th- the, the,
0: that little game that you have to play. So I try to get that. I mean, I don't know if we do that well or not. I'm not claiming that. But the way that we try to do that is to use the little intro that's, hey, I'm Bob, this is what we're doing. And we try to make that, it has a, a particular cadence, it has a particular length, and I don't. it's never been defined, but it's just in my head. I know when it's right and I know when it's not right. But that should be the hook. That should be just enough, four or five seconds to get them to stick around long enough through the intro so that I can explain why. And if that part doesn't work, then the rest of it doesn't matter at all. And so that little pre-intro hook piece, we we shoot that a bunch of different times in a bunch of different ways, and I call every project a bunch of different things to make sure that we have one that is like, that has the right little, you know, it's got the beats in it, and, and yeah.
2: One thing, I saw... Um mark rober he in the latest issue of make magazine uh he says make youtube videos for not for your current subscribers but for people who haven't subscribed yet and i have not i've never thought that way i've always thought i am making videos for the people who are who are watching and since i've read that that quote i can't stop thinking about that because you're always trying to if you're trying to grow you're trying to sell yourself to new people um i mean i, I think part of it's true and part of it's not true because there's the there's the fun little in, inside jokes that the current people enjoy and they comment on and they yeah. get they laugh at um but i think uh, just just reading that one sentence that he said in the magazine it was just kind of making me rethink like each video should be a selling point for somebody landing on my on my YouTube channel. So, and then I also had a one uh, one of those producer interviews for a, a TV show the other day, and like they're like, yeah we we have most of what we need just by watching your YouTube videos. And I have to go and think like, okay, was my last YouTube video was it was that a good sa- sale of 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 me? You know, mm. and so that's also made me think like every youtube video should be the best possible video that i can put out because it is selling myself to future subscribers f- uh future tv producers uh you know future Pachudo. it's going to look back at these videos and hopefully think that uh, that they're good so that's um i don't know if that's storytelling or not but that is that that's selling yours yeah yeah is really important
0: and that's difficult i mean there is something there that is really hard to figure out how to handle because like if somebody comes to you know today's video that you put out and you're doing it, maybe it's a big project but it's a lot of the the actions in that project are things you've done a thousand times you know you're like i don't know, making a certain type of joint or you're whatever and you want to gloss over that because anybody who's been watching for any amount of time knows that They don't have to see it again. You don't want to have to talk about it again. But then there's that balance of like the people that show up today, you're glossing over stuff from their perspective. You're just glossing over like the Mm -hmm. things that maybe to them are important. Maybe it's stuff they've never seen before. They're totally new to it. And so there is kind of a weird balance when you go to like, how much am I going to explain versus how much am I going to assume the audience already has seen me do or has their own personal experience of? And you can't really, I don't think you can't really explain everything you do every time because then the people that watch all the time are like, oh, again? Really? <laughs> like, really? With the pocket holes again? I don't want, you know. So now anytime I do, and part of the way we got around this was to make the bits videos. So if a, an action happens a bunch of times, we make a bits video about it. So then I don't have to talk about it. I can be like, hey, if this is not something you've ever seen, we made a bits video that has all the information go check it out and i'm going to edge band and not say anything else about it because <laughs> everybody's seen it <laughs> you
1: know? while we're talking i'm just having a couple of realizations and remembering like certain theories about my own personal video catalog and i like to often think of each video as like a, a song I, I know i've talked about this before where like di- like for instance last night i got on a stevie Vaughan kick and i just listened to like Ten videos of Steve Urvom while I was doing something else, and each song is just so incredible. Like it's just like an incredible island of like goodness, you know. And so I use those songs like that, and I also a big inspiration is Queen and how every song is just so. It's this lack of a better term. It's just so full of goodness, and it's just amazing. And there's just so many amazing techniques in the music, and. I try to think of each one of my videos like that. You know, sometimes I hit the mark, sometimes I don't hit the mark. But that's the goal: is to have each one of those videos. Just like if it becomes a stray one-hit wonder, people will be like, "Oh, this is a really cool song." I don't care anything else about this guy, but this song I really like. And so that's that's a thought process uh, that goes into the theory of what I do. I kind of like I like to think of the videos as
2: like really good. Music, and then another uh, Dave. You had a thought on that? Just on the music thing, I think of my videos as a song as well, but in a different way. I think of them as a song has different energy levels, where you might have a, a super impactful chorus and then like a like a quiet verse. And I use that energy curve in my in my videos, so it's not straight. This is how we're doing this video from beginning to end. It kind of has its ups and downs to keep your keep you interested. So I, I
1: did a story the other night where I was in the middle of editing the 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 gavel video, and I just as I'm lately as I'm like if I have a quiet time and I have something to teach I'll just go on Instagram, and I showed on Instagram how I cut out any little pause, especially like my typical video where I'm not talking and things are fast paced. But I cut out any little hiccup that I emotionally, if I watch it, I watch through 10 times, 15 times. And each time I watch it, I'm like, I look for that moment where I'm just like, uh, like that, like, get to it. You know, like even that get to it could be a half of a second because it's mm-hmm. all pace, 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 pace. And now it's like pace times two. And then I'm like, whoa, oh, I got to get rid of that. That's not even important. So that's where I go in and I just jump cut stuff constantly. I'm not overly concerned about and then at fast pace, you could jump, cut out five minutes, and it looked like it's a beautiful, perfect edit, like it wasn't even yeah. taken out. So that's if you're listening to this and you're, and you're learning editing or if you're new to, to making videos for yourself, you can cut out a whole section. Because a lot of people are hung up on that OCD of, well, now it's not going to match. If that's what you're worried about, you're worried about the wrong things. What you really should be looking at is the overall arc of what's happening in the video. If there's a blip of videos of, of this clip doesn't match that clip, but you really wanted it to be one take, drop in a, a, a soft transition or, or a crossfade and shorten it to a half a second. And 90% of the time, people won't notice it. Or over that cut, drop in a connective piece, like a, like a close-up of the same scenario. Cut a piece out, zoom into it. And so it looks like it's a different camera angle. So across that cut, if it looks awkward to you, you could drop in a close-up and then it'll feel natural. Um, just thinking of some other techniques. Oh, like, there are, connective tissue is really important when you are telling a story. If you have this, 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 and then all of a sudden you're on the other side of the shop or if you're on the other side of some scenario and you're like, wait a minute, how did I go from there to here? If you're watching the video, it seems clunky. you got to figure out how to go back in and put in a piece that's going to connect those two scenes. A lot of people don't even realize those two scenes aren't connected and they'll put out a video and you're watching it and that's when... Unconsciously, you begin to un, un, unhinge, unconnect from the video because there's like mm. a moment where you're like, mm. oh, no, I'm not really sure what's happening, but oh, you know what? Let me, oh, I got a text message yeah, from Taylor. Let me see what's going on. And now you're not watching that video anymore because it's not that little connective tissue is missing. And there have been times recently where I'm editing and I just don't have it. I don't have this piece. And I'm like, wait a minute, I was telling a story about it on Instagram. So I go back in, I make a highlight of that story so I could go back. Play it on my phone, record it off my phone, because you can't download highlights for some reason. So I play it on my phone, then I airdrop it to my computer, and then I find a crop <laughs> in the portrait that's a 916 crop that will work as the connective tissue. Recently I did something where I was had to do with laser cutting. I remember I had to go, I had to go back in and cut out of a highlight from Instagram 10 seconds of laser cutting because I didn't have any footage of the laser cutting happening. It was like a piece of a bigger story so i went in and i cut out a piece of, so fast nobody noticed that it was grainy but that little piece of connective tissue got over that hiccup of like how did you go from there to here oh oh, you lasered it and like as much as it takes for me to say it is this all you need to really understand where you're going
0: yeah I, along those same lines r- real quick just because i feel like i'm going to lose this <laughs> um a lot of times the uh, Given that you're working in a workshop, it can be difficult to get the camera in in the ideal place. Sometimes you just have to get the shot that you can get because you don't have room for it. But a lot of times, moving from place to place in your shop, exactly what you're saying, Jimmy, can be really confusing if somebody doesn't know your space and they don't know how things are related. And it can be really confusing if you are looking at the same action, maybe from the left side, and then all of a sudden, it's the same action from the right side, but the background is totally different. It can be really disorienting for the person watching. And they're like, wait, why are you cutting? You might need
1: a piece between them to show that you're going around the bow is what they call it. That you're
0: moving around. Yeah, yeah. It's like, you know, why do you have two miter saws in your shop? No, it's the same miter saw, but you're seeing it from two different directions. And the backgrounds are totally different. And so a lot of times, yeah, just having a midpoint shot to get you from place to place will help somebody, you know, and they're not even thinking about it. Yeah, it just keeps them. It's worried. an emotional thing where, like, yeah. all of a
1: sudden, you're like, eh, "I don't really know what's going on. I don't care." Like that happens unconsciously. Yeah. yeah, and that's how people become disengaged. That's why I put out a 30 minute video. <laughs> it says average view with four minutes. I'm like,
2: <laughs> <laughs> "Sorry, David. What were you gonna say?" I was just gonna say uh, one of the advantages to me wearing of me wearing the same shirt in every single video is uh, I can go back the next day. And I can recreate. I can make that filler shot. I can redo a thing, and it's and and it works perfect. Uh, the the chair uh, took more days than I was expecting, and I remember apologizing to Kelly. I'm like, "Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm wearing the same shirt four days in a row." And she's like, "Youtuber problems." It was you know, it was just like, "Oh yeah, yeah." Um, but it, that's one that's one of my tricks. The, the red shirt is is about identity and branding um first and then but it also helps me create these missing these missing scenes that I need to shoot later on
1: a little a little behind the scenes secret which isn't so secret on the tv show dirty money that I shot 11 years ago it seems like nine years ago we uh in the beginning I remember the first product meeting we were talking about the show the first production meeting and and we just somebody's like what if we do this what if we can't sell it this product and we have to sell it in another episode and like because we had to make things and then sell them and you can't just organically sell everything every time. Like, okay, we have a window between now and now. Let's sell something for $1,000. It doesn't happen. So we came to the conclusion after episode one that me and my brother will wear the same exact thing the entire summer. <laughs> and they sculpted episodes out of all the footage. So the majority oh, wow. of each episode was shot and the storylines and you know the real or fake iterations of what was going on we're all kind of combined but then when we needed to put the sale of this other thing at the end of this episode that we shot 2 weeks ago or 3 episodes ago we can combine all them because we all wore, we everybody on camera wore the same clothes all the time
0: hmm. I I wear um, a lot of different shirts in every single video and I've actually had people count the number of shirts <laughs> in the video like how many how many different days it was worked on but I mean, that's only happened a couple of times, and it was just like a funny thing for them. But I've never really had anybody complain or really point out in a negative way, you know, that I had 10 different shirts on within a single video. Because yeah. <laughs> that has absolutely happened.
1: I try to it's always just... wear black so that my hands will stand out if like, you shoot against my body or something like that. Hmm. And a couple of weeks ago, I was shooting the finishing touches for a video. I can't remember which one it was, but I just remember this thought in my head being like, And I had on like a a lightly colored shirt and I was like, this is going to look weird if the whole video is me wearing a black shirt which you could vaguely see and then all of a sudden Mm -hmm. I'm wearing a white shirt. So I actually went, I keep like 50 shirts in my car because I'm always like destroying (laughs) clothes. So I went out to my car and I put on a black shirt
2: and went back inside. So I've been doing the the red shirt thing for years and a few months ago I was like, you know what, I'm just going to wear whatever I want to wear and I, I had on like maybe a black or gray shirt that something that didn't have any color in there. And my shop has gray carpet, white walls, white ceiling. And when I went to go edit that video, I'm like, why is the color off in this video? There's nothing, nothing pops. It's very bland looking. And I realized I'm not wearing a red shirt and that is throwing. So I went back to wearing a red shirt just because it adds some visual color in there. And that's when I decided, Hey, we're going to paint the walls these crazy colors. Which, as you know, I was supposed to have my buddy Matt come and, and paint that, and then COVID happened, so that got put on hold. But um, part of the my storytelling is the visuals. It is it is the the sexy uh, fo- focus pulling and and, and uh, blurry backgrounds and shooting at this crazy angle. That's all part of the storytelling, and it's all part of the pacing to keep keep the uh, the, the viewers interested. And one of the things that I think is going to be really, really important with what we do is is storytelling. As more and more people are making DIY woodworking how-to videos, for me anyway, I think it's really important that the, there's a reason for the video. There is a story. There is. I have to make this thing. For this particular purpose, blah blah blah. Not not, instead of just like, hey, we're going to make a box, and here's how to do it in six steps. I think the purpose is going to be more important as more and more people do this, so you stand out. And I think, hopefully, I don't. Hopefully, I I become a better storyteller. And like when you see Casey Neistat, he's so successful. Because he could figure out how to pull a story out of his day-to-day routine when he was in New York City. For most people, that would just be a boring video of me. Like, I'm walking around and I'm going to buy a slice of pizza. No, Casey finds that story. He digs into his day and figures out how to make it interesting. And that's that's what I need to do. That's what I need, where I need to improve.
1: Yeah. He puts a lot of work. You see his most recent video where he visits his son in college. Mm-hmm, he drives yeah. a Tesla up to San Francisco. And it's just... It, he puts the camera in a million places. It looks like he's, he looks like he's with a, with a, he's with a cameraman, but he's by himself. Yeah. He takes the time to put the camera in the car, get out, climb back in the car and then reset the (laughs) shot. And then put the camera like in a parking spot, pull back out, pull in. But people don't, who are filmmakers, that's just a, Wow, this is this is so visually interesting. But you know, as filmmakers, all we see is like, okay, he put the camera that got out of the car, but yeah. but I could still enjoy it as a person who doesn't make
2: movies, and and I I always do enjoy his videos. So the part of the story in that video was not like, hey, I'm going to go visit Owen, which is so many miles away in San Francisco. It was, I'm a dad. I don't know how to relate to my son anymore since you know i don't take care of like he pulls out the story and then tells it on the and it's like ah oh, what a great way to to make this video and i think that's what i want to do in my videos i need to pull out that that nugget and make whatever i'm making more interesting or give it purpose yeah yeah, yeah.
0: and that's difficult to do i mean it, it's a that's a cool theory it's a cool thing to want it's a cool thing to pursue but when it com- when it comes down to it like w- you're typically making stuff right, <laughs> right. so there's like a th- <laughs> you have to like try to come up with a you know a real life kind of philosophical something bigger something a little more abstract around a physical thing that you're just trying to assemble or you're trying to whatever not that that can't be done but it that is a difficult challenge for sure yeah um what else we got i Any just uh, i just had a thought more of a technical
1: thought and it's just a funny thing. When I shot the TV show Hammer, it's the first time I ever heard this. We were on a, a set which was like a three sided set. So the the fourth wall was where all the producers sat. Literally, it's just like an open set where the cameras pointed in. And the cameraman, there's always like A camera, B camera, sometimes the third camera. And they were always you could I could hear them talking to each other and, and I learned a lot. The cameramen were always or the cameramen on a on a TV show are usually the coolest dudes. Almost always the coolest, most level-headed, creative, interested people are the cameramen. Because they always have so many other projects going. You know, they love filmmaking. They're doing this to maybe earn some money. But they are in it because they love it. And anytime I do a television show or I'm on a set that's, you know, like, for instance, making it, I always chat up the cameramen because they're always so interested in just, like, sharing knowledge. And they're interested in curious human beings uh, by nature all the men and women that I've met that are camera people. And I learned from this crew, they would be filming me and they'd be like, wait, you crossed the line. Oh, you're on the other side of the line. And that's something that I I started hearing and I'm like, explain this to me. And and it's fairly common sense. It goes back to what Bob, you said a few minutes ago, where it's like, if you're shooting the table saw from this side and you cross the line, now you're shooting it from another side, which doesn't make sense. So there's like a theory in in cameraman technology where there's like a, a bow shape and that bow shape pointed at the scene. So if you're in any side of that that bow shape, like a, like a bow and arrow laying on its side or a banana, if you're on any side of that line that makes that bow shape, you're good. The minute you go on the opposite side of that straight line connecting those two bows, that's when all of a sudden you have a confusing image that could potentially not edit together well. And so that is what we're talking about when you hear cameramen say, You've crossed the line you've stepped over the hmm. line and they're, ta- they're saying that to each other it's like oh dude oh dude you just stepped over the line and he's like no don't worry I'm, I'm just shooting a close-up like yeah but you're on the other side of the line but if I shoot it like this okay that's cool they, I hear them negotiating with each other because usually one of the cameramen is in charge and the other one is taking his direction but uh, yeah it's uh, it's hmm. you learn so much hmm. when you get a chance to not everybody has that opportunity to work with with a professional camera crew but if you ever do see a camera crew, like even if you see like a news guy with a camera on his shoulder, I guarantee you they would be more than happy to like answer questions because they are as a as a as a breed of person camera people are typically very interested in sharing their craft and talking about what they do so if you ever got an opportunity to hmm. question a cameraman do it hmm.
0: excellent good advice um well i you got anything else around this? I don't have anything else that I can think of offhand.
1: No. I just, uh, you know, again, if you're listening to us for advice, I would say just avoid the... Uh, really important to avoid the... And, you know, I'm going to complain a little bit about Adam Savage's videos. He does not have any close-ups. And I think maybe it's just because he doesn't have camera shooting technology. I even commented in one of his videos. I haven't gone back to see how bad I got him beaten up. But... I like Adam Savage's videos. I love his enthusiasm. He does so many cool little things that need a close up of a 200 or a 300 millimeter camera lens, and he doesn't do it. I think he just shoots on an iPhone the whole time. iPhone's still good at close ups, but he never jumps in and like the like I even said it like he made that big nut and bolt, and every time like the most important transition would happen from the material doing one thing to another, it was missing. He was like at the lathe, and all of a sudden he's got two pieces in his hands. I'm like. You're robbing the viewer of that most important part of like, you've just taken Hmm. a chunk of metal Hmm. that comes from the earth and made it into two pieces. It might seem simple, but now you've jumped from having one piece to two piece. And somebody that's not quite as astute is watching as being like, where did he get two pieces of metal from? A minute ago, he had one. Like,
2: It's hmm. funny you say that. Because a lot of problems that I have with other people is they don't have enough wide angle shots and it's all close-ups and all i see is your hand and i don't especially if it is a uh you use a tool that i don't understand <laughs> and i yeah like what is it i need to see this this full tool from head to toe so i understand what's going on so at the same time you you also need the wide angle shots
1: i was going to say my bigger point was to avoid the uh avoid the security camera. F- f- <laughs> You know, a lot. I tell everyone, like, how can I get started? I say, oh, go buy a DJI action camera. They're the best camera on the market, as far as I'm concerned right now. And they get it, and then they're like, look at my new video. And I'm like, they have it on a tripod, as if it's like a regular medium shot camera. And it, like, you could see like the gardener in the background, like, you know, mowing the lawn, <laughs> <laughs> and the wife taking the groceries out of the car. And you're like, three percent of the entire video image, making something and sanding something for 13 minutes.
0: Well, in in what you're saying about the, you know, not having close-ups and things, another thing I think I meant to say earlier is to realize that not everything in, if you are making a video where you're making a project, not every step of that should have the same weight. And it's up to you as the video creator, as a storyteller, to decide where the weight is. But painting should not take as much precedent within a video as maybe some really fine detailed impressive little skill or something that is pivotal to what something working or not. And so you don't have to give everything the same amount of time, the same amount of weight, the same amount of like effort. I skip over painting. I skip over a lot of glue up stuff. I show that it's happening and then I move on because nobody needs to see me paint, nobody needs to see me sand or glue up every single piece or drive in every screw or drive in every brad nail. I mean those are not the important things. I show that they're part of the process and then we move on to the things that are unique to that particular project or that particular technique. So, as you're as you're trying to keep the pace going, one of the ways to do that is to chop the fat, is to get rid of the stuff that will take up time but doesn't add anything to the story. Focus your your big beats, your big moments on the things that are unique and the things that are actually helpful or so. Yep. So I guess, I guess I did have something else. Sorry. <laughs> now I don't have anything else on this. Um, well, let me thank our Patreon supporters. And then I'm going to try to figure out something to recommend while you guys are recommending your things because I don't have anything to recommend. Big thanks to our Patreon supporters. <laughs> uh, everybody that helps us out over there gets the After Show, which is another separate show of us talking about other stuff uh we probably have some secret stuff today maybe maybe i don't know I'm looking at jimmy he probably has like 10, <laughs> 10 new baseball games he wants to talk about um everybody over there gets the after show and it is just a different little show uh but everybody at every level especially uh, big thanks to our top supporters though they are uh they go above and beyond and those are Corey ward works by solo chad from mancrafting maker in training fun kiss artistic creations blondie hacks You can make this too. Odin Leather Goods, Albers Woodworks, and Rich from Lowend Designs. Um, But there's a huge list of people over there that help us out in different ways, and they are all important. We are grateful for all of them. And if you want to join that group, get the after show, go to patreon.com slash making it. Or don't. Or don't. That's how you get the after show. (laughs) Either way. All right, David, what you got?
2: Weird history. I just... Cool. Uh, I came across a video I think it was last week and it's just it was all about 1984 and it goes from January through December of like news events and commercials and pop culture and video games and all kind of and I was just like this is so cool this is uh, like oh I remember that and so there's they've got a bunch of videos on different years and just different pieces about history Um it's it's a really cool channel weird history I'm
1: trying to since you're talking about him do you guys know the history guy the history guy history deserves to no. be remembered is uh, let me let me go to his channel I'll read exactly but I watch him he pops up often and I started watching more of his stuff history deserves to be remembered the history guy and it's a guy with a bow tie who just gives you some interesting history about something that he knows is more than likely just completely excluded from hmm. textbooks and he'll whatever it is the great kansas grasshopper plague of 1874 wilbur shaw and tony hamilton saved the indianapolis 500 you know it's like little bits and pieces of like american history and world history and uh hmm. yeah pretty cool stuff so go check him out the forgotten history of sewing machines u.s hmm. automobile history in the chevy vega
0: Um, I had one to recommend and I can't remember what it was. Hmm. Dang.
1: Anything related to history?
0: Um, (laughs) Didn't have anything to do with history. It's called, it's a new channel called Normal History and it's just history of absolutely normal things that nobody cares about. So. (laughs) That happened last week. It's uh, yeah. (laughs) Recent history. It's all stuff from the day before. (laughs) Oh man, I just created a really good YouTube channel. (laughs) CBS News. (laughs) um i did have something and i can't remember what it was oh man uh well okay let me look through my history real quick here just to see if anything sticks out you met while bob's looking jimmy mentioned cbs news
2: one of those news i can't i don't know if it's cbs or nbc but one of them they'll put up their full evening broadcast but they put it up the next day and it'll like like oh I'll, I'll see what's going on in the news today and I'll start watching. I'm like, wait, this is all yesterday's stuff. And so much has happened since yesterday. <laughs> yeah. I watched it every night. It pops up because <laughs> you watch
1: it once. Like now, like when I open my videos now, there's going to be a thousand Stevie Ray Vaughan videos suggested to me. I found a, yeah. a channel, uh, <laughs> Stevie Ray Vaughan Bootleg, and it's somebody that just collects clips of Stevie Ray Vaughan playing anywhere. Like all, and because unfortunately he died in, the ni- in 1990 you know steve rayvon was 35 years old when he died crazy it's unbelievable how talented he was and you know how short his life was and just how yeah, incredibly Henry, Henry like he
0: was like thirty-two, 32 i think hendrix was 27 oh that's right yeah i knew it was somewhere around there
1: yeah no a lot of people died at 27 even uh kirk O'Bain, right kirk O'Bain died at 27 kirk,
2: kirk, janice chaplin jim morrison
1: yeah but was, you know, you go down a rabbit hole of just somebody that was just so unbelievably talented. And Jeff as so I saw clips showed up of him and Jeff Healy. And Jeff Healy died at forty years old. I was wondering why I never saw him anymore. He died. You know, remember Jeff Healy used to play the guitar on his lap? You guys know, you guys both don't no, know not Jeff Healy. With him. I forgot <clears throat> you guys are babies. I'm an old man. <laughs> Watch it, you. Look up Jeff Healy, um, guitar player. And if anybody is, okay, has boom. the revel- <laughs> exactly, if anybody has a revelation, have to listen to this. Let me know. Jeff Healy was an unbelievable blues guitar player, and he was grew up blind. He was blind from birth, I think, or maybe from early age. And he from like the age of three. I Wikipedia did him. He played guitar. He just they handed him a guitar and he just put it on his lap and just played it that way, so, as if he's playing slide guitar. So I used to go see him. I saw him live a few times in the eighties. And he, he would get, like, he would rock out and start standing up. Never wore a guitar strap, just used to hold the guitar against his lap. And he would, like, kind of, people would assume that he was physically disabled because he always sat down, but that was just easier for him to hold the guitar. So when he would start rocking out, he would stand up a little bit and, like, awkwardly hold the guitar against his midsection, never on a strap. But it's because he played it like a slide guitar with hands both down on the strings, hmm. the fret hand and the picking hand down on the strings. Hmm. Anyway, there was a there was a a, a couple of clips of him and Steve Ray Vaughan playing together. They played very similar style.
2: More history stuff.
0: Um, now that you're talking about music, I somebody sent me or I came across this video from like several years ago, and it's a a mixture of Rage Against the Machine and Credence Clearwater Revival, <laughs> Killing It <laughs> Under a Bad Mood. <laughs> <What>? It's awesome. <laughs> it's a mashup, uh, and it totally works. I'll put it in here so you guys can watch it. That's funny. Um, anyway, the the thing I was actually going to recommend is somebody sent us a link to this guy. Uh, what's his name? He's a comedian, and he did a woodworking video. His name is Charlie Behrens, I guess. And the video is how to make giant Jenga. It's just like the Jenga, you know, out of two-by-fours. But his kind of Midwestern delivery style is pretty funny. It's a pretty funny little video. Um so I'll put that in there. Mm-hmm. I haven't not seen any of his other stuff, so I know nothing about him. I know nothing. I know he's just a comedian. So, um, but I will go ahead and link the that and the uh, the Rage CCR video too because it's pretty funny. He <laughs> <laughs> looks like a funny right. guy. Yeah.
2: Do I look like a clown? To you.
0: All right. You guys got anything else? That's it. See, it's oh, art, art, art. take that noise as a no <laughs> well thank you for listening everybody and uh, we'll see you next time oh I
1: was going to burp but I won't do that thank you very much
2: <laughs> save that for the after <laughs> save that for the people <laughs> paying for it that's right <laughs> <sighs>